0: Of course, we were never in any doubt, were we? Yeah, right. It's time to start harping on rugby. To harping on rugby. My name is Jeff Pagano, and once again, I've been joined by my fellow fans to harp on what's going on with Leinster, Ireland, and the wider rugby world. First up, joining me this week is someone back for more punishment after doing the preview show. He's earning cap number 35. It's Neil keigo Keegan. Welcome back, sir.
1: How are we? I've seen you more than I've seen my wife in the last three days. <laughs> uh, so here we go again.
0: We'll say nothing about that. Okay. <laughs> and also, here making his 22nd appearance, hello to Mr. Tom Coleman.
2: Even Jeff, even Keego.
0: Right, gents. Before we get to our main topic of discussion, we're just going to start with a feature we call the front five. Our focus is on Leinster and Ireland, but we also like to harp on the wider rugby world. So we picked out five eye-catching, egg-chasing stories from around the rugosphere sphere, so we can offer a few quick thoughts. We're going to start with yourself, Tom. Uh, this is from sportsjoe.ie. It's by Pat McCary, and the headline it reads: Andy Farrell names exciting Ireland squad for November internationals
2: yeah it's not getting into that time of year it's uh, the the dark autumn nights coming back in november uh we've three big games against one against the world champions which is really the key game and it's first up um and obviously Fiji then squeezed in the middle of playing australia in the last game uh it's an interesting squad that um that Farrell has named i think the emerging ireland squad he's named it sort of dual squad with sort of back up in the A. So sort of continuation, he probably he sees this as a way forward between now and the World Cup about giving his squad some depth and keeping a lot of guys interested and motivated. And uh, guys who've played well down in down in the South Africa, like Nash and Keane Prendergast have gone into the squad, which is good to see. Uh Balakun had a good outing down there. He's back in. So the big news is Stockdale is backed in hit back in from a long injury. Uh, I know he made a Half appearance against us up in uh, in Belfast, and then other guys just who who really played well um, with Ireland and New Zealand like Kieran Treadwell and and etc. You know Timoney as well in the in the merry games. They're they're at it. They're still there. So yeah, I think it's a good squad, and I think he's used uh, some of the performances out of the Emerging Ireland games uh, well as well, where he's brought some players in from you know like um, Crowley from Munster and Ahern and kept them involved as well. So the gap isn't too big. They can step up. So yeah, so I like the way he's doing it. It is something new, and we have to try something new. Uh, our our quarterfinal World Cup things hangs hangs over us. Like so, we will. Yeah, he has to mix it up, and he's done well this time. I think. I think he's picked an interesting squad on it.
0: Yeah, it's a very interesting series uh, coming up in November, Like especially with that first game. I mean, uh, first ranked in the world against the uh, reigning world champions. You can't really get much better than that. And uh, it'll be a b- real test of where a squad is, you know, after the successes in New Zealand and everything. So look forward to that. And we're going to be given, of course, full harp and treatment, um, as well as our regular Leinster fan contributors. We're going to have some fans from other provinces as well. But, um, yeah, we we'll, we'll look forward to talking about that. Okay, so now this article is for you, Kigo. Um, this is from Pundit Arena, and it's by Owen Hart, and the headline reads, uh, Tige Furlong admits it breaks his heart to see Munster jerseys at his local club. You mentioned this in the preview show. I just wanted to give you a chance to expand on it a bit.
1: Yeah, I I, I actually do enjoy seeing things like this because it, it shows that our, our team, and I'm sure it's the same for them, um, they're human beings. Uh, you know, we, we kind of see them as these Kind of hire the normal people but they are normal people we see them in the coffee shop and i can only imagine what it's like for tig furlong to be sitting there having his coffee or going to school and dropping his kids off and seeing monster jerseys when he's there knocking his you know what's in for the blue jersey um so i really like seeing this type of thing um obviously there's he didn't phrase it in a bad way he didn't phrase it in any sort of um stupid way he just said it annoys him and I think that's a good thing for for Leinster to still be annoyed at the sight of a Munster jersey um you know this rivalry isn't really again I'm always starting fights when I'm talking to you this rivalry isn't really a rivalry anymore but it's good to see that it still still rankles with the guys a wee bit when they see a red jersey about it it's, it's a ghost of the the kind of 90s and noughties that that still sticks around I was quite happy to, to hear Furlong say that, say that it winds him up, say that it annoys him, and then he can bring that onto the pitch, which I think is, is, is really important.
0: Now, next up, we're going to go to yourself, Tom. Uh, this article is from The Times the, uh, over in England, and it's from uh, Will Callagher and Alex Lowe. And the headline reads, uh, Gallagher Premiership Clubs struggling to reach agreement over fixture chaos.
2: Yeah, this is obviously a continuation of the sad story about Wasps and Worcester both having to leave the league. Uh, going into administration and pulled out all the fixtures. Um, like, on, from a rugby point of view, the, the amount of jobs that's been lost between A teams and women's teams and staff—it's—it's it's just terrible news for everyone involved. You know, for both clubs, it doesn't matter how uh, successful one or the other is, even if um, even if people think Wasps deserve to stay around more than Worcester. Um, obviously, has created some big holes in the Premiership fixture list. I think Leicester have no fixture until the 11th of November. They had a bye week either side of playing. So, to play Wasp and Worcester. And I think Newcastle have no game at the moment from the end of March till the first week of May.
0: Yeah, Gloucester okay so with we, that as well.
2: Gloucester as well. They so,
0: had
2: a bye uh, week as well, yeah, yeah. They had a bye week. So, yeah, um, there's talk of a 10-team league and. The big issue, of course, the reason these teams are in are, are, are suffering is, is, is obviously financial, and both of these loss of home fixtures for for all the teams is like a five hundred k gap in in revenue for for losing those two home games. So yeah, there's a long way to go before the whole thing is rectified. There's all sorts of stuff rumored around about central contracts, and everyone's chirping in, you know, whether it be Baxter or extra saying he's not, you know, how they're going to afford that. So. I think we'll just look across and see how it pans out there's just there's a lot of um there's a lot of people with lots of decisions and lots of opinions that have to come to some uh, consensus on on how to make the the premiership work going forward and, and maybe what they're going to do with the uh, the championship as well there's just it's it's just going to be this is going to run all the way to the world cup i think it's not going to get resolved uh, and i see trailing wheelfinders are off to a Massive start in the championship. I think six or seven wins. Just already going to blast that league out of it. And um, not allowed up because they have no uh, proper stadium. Uh, and I'm using air quotes there. Mm. And, and as, at the same time, it came out this week that Saracens didn't actually have the license to hold that crowd that they have either. So, you know, it seems to be one little rule for another and another rule there. So it's, it's still a little bit of a mess. But we do, you know, we may look across the water. The same way we're looking at the political situation in England with a bit of a wry smile, but all of rugby in Northern Hemisphere need English rugby to be strong and, and to sort itself out. It's 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 you know there's people losing jobs and there's clubs going. It's it just makes the whole thing weaker up here. So hopefully it's rectified fairly quick.
0: Yep, definitely. Yeah, they really need to sort that out soon. It's a real mess, like you say. Okay, so now back to Yuki. Go. Um, this is from uh, RTE.ie and uh, so neil tracy and the headline is uh, ulsters meeting with sharks postponed after a gastro book <laughs> i'm giving you well, all the good ones
1: it was we were talking about this during the week and uh, we were kind of going like you know how we want it, how we want it to go uh, and then the team lineup comes out from the sharks and the month the ulster reaction is exactly the same to the reaction we would have if we saw that lineup <laughs> we just shit ourselves so uh, you know, it, it does write itself. Um, although I, I, I do think that there's something there for Ulster to go and try to take a scalp in South Africa. It's a big thing for them to do. Uh, I'm not saying they would have done it this weekend, but they had a shot at it. Uh, and the food is dodgy and it just wasn't meant to be. Uh, but the problem now is where are they going to put that in the calendar? What space do we have, you know? Uh, but yeah, they had the same reaction that we would have had if we were reading that team sheet when it came out.
0: And it was weird that it affected two teams Over affected the Glasgow Warriors as well, so they must have been they must have been eating from the same buffet. uh, Whatever was (laughs) going on, but uh, it was just uh, it was a bizarre thing. And like you say, yeah, it's made it really awkward. I mean, not only from the calendar, but just travel wise. I mean they they done the traveling and now they got to go do it again. So uh, it's a lot of a mess. And we thought we were we thought we were done with all this with all the COVID cancellations from years gone by. But uh, we'll we'll see what happens anyway because that's a that is a big match. They're they're two of our biggest contenders for the league this year. You know, so we'll see what happens
1: yeah unless they, they end up making it a nil all draw i'm quite happy with oh, that don't,
0: yeah don't it's, 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 let's not start with those that nil all draw and 28, <laughs> 28 nil results and all that crack again please <laughs> okay so on to our last um uh, front five article this week um you should know a lot about this one tom seeing as it looks like you wrote us um, <laughs> this is from the Wales online it's from a uh, tom coleman i'm not not the same tom i'm Coleman, I'm assuming, uh, but the headline reads Connor uh, 36, Scarlets 14. Lee Halfpenny puts pulls out as Welsh side slip to convincing defeat following disappointing second half.
2: I think I would get a lot of enjoyment in my life on Twitter if I did actually write for Wales Online. I think <laughs> <laughs> I think,
0: <laughs> I think so. I'd be
2: hounded off. I'd be handed off Twitter a long time fishing,
0: ago. Fishing,
1: fishing uh, for
2: uh, a living. Yeah, for, yeah, absolutely. I look Connor go back to winning ways. Uh, Scarlets are still having a bit of a disastrous season. Uh, Any time I've seen them, they've looked the right mess. Uh, and this was one of these games where, um, before Connacht might have slipped up and lost this game, but they were fairly ruthless against a fairly disorganised uh, Scarlet's team. There could have been a couple of red cards in that game. I think there was three yellows. I think two of them at least should have seen reds. There was, you know, uh, I think it was Boyle, ended up with a Scarlet's guy landing on his neck, and there was an awful swing and arm tackle on one of the, On I think it was Blade, the Connacht nine. Um, but look, the most important thing, I, th- I think overall as well, I never go, I hate going on about officials. I think they're the officials on that match didn't have a great night. Uh, I think even Connock's first try, Murray, didn't even look like it was grounded. Um, but Matt Canson, on more positive news, he got back to getting a couple of tries. And Connock looked very good, very strong going forward. Jack Ainger scored a try and they got another penalty try. So that doesn't all go well for Scarlets. On their next opposition, which is against us, if they're having issues in that area against Connacht. And we have to see, obviously, what sort of team Leinster will, will send to Scarlets, um, given the Autumn Internationals. But, um, yeah, no, good win for Connacht. They needed to needed to bounce back after missing out on a losing bonus point in Galway against us. And, um, yeah, you know, back to win a ways. That's what they need at the moment. They just need a run of wins after a really difficult start to the league.
0: Yep, they're definitely a good good win for them in front of their home crowds uh, as well. Yeah, definitely def- definitely a good result. and gets them moving back up from towards the bottom of the table. Right, so that's it for the front five. As always, you'll find all those links in the program notes. So now it's time for us to start harping our way through the timeline of our feature match of the week, which was, of course, Leinster v. Munster in round six of the 22-23 BKT United Rugby Championship. As always, our match wrap pods are brought to you by the Irish Rugby Store. It was a 5:15 p.m. start on Saturday at the Viva Stadium. The conditions were nigh on perfect to kick off. Uh, on our Harpen preview show, myself and Kigo both predicted Leinster wins, and while we were close with our margins, I'm not sure we expected it to play out the way it did. Now there was a late change uh, just before kickoff as Tyke Furlong was taken out of the lineup for what was called a minor ankle injury. I hope that's I hope it uh, is is very minor uh, for all the big matches we've got coming up. But uh, <clears throat> before we get to the action. Um, one of the main purposes of this site is to talk about um, uh, the experience of Leinster fans, not just the action on the pitch. So um, Keigo, um, you know, you were there, we were all at the match, but uh, Keigo, just want to give you start us off by just giving us a sense of the atmosphere and uh, what, what it was like, uh, you know, for the crowd on the day and what, what, how the day was for you.
1: It was, I, I haven't had that much fun on a train journey to a match in a long time. It was, uh, I I tried to get in early, met the old man on the train, and it was jam-packed, blue everywhere. A little bit of red, to be fair, as well. Uh, But the atmosphere was fantastic going in. It's probably the best atmosphere I've had on a train in a long time. Good banter, back and forth, Munster, well up for a bit of crack on the train. Uh, And then getting to the stadium, I just love getting off at Lansdowne and just turning right and going down past the Lansdowne Rugby Club and going in, uh, going in on that side, east side. Um, the pitch looks beautiful. The stadium is fantastic. Everyone is in great form. Um, no, it wasn't. It wasn't sold out, so a lot of the bars weren't open, which isn't a bad thing. Um, we got we got to our seats pretty quickly, and uh, you know the same old problem kicked its head up. People arriving late. Um, you know, I know we all got stuff going on and things like that, but. When you're paying that much for a ticket, get there on time, because it's it's disrespectful to everybody else. When you're when you you know when when the old man and myself have to stand up with our dodgy knees every five minutes, it, there's no real excuse for it, you know. And then if you are late, be extra crack, be extra loud, be extra involved, because if you're sitting there quietly on your phone after being late, you're going to get verbally assaulted by a bald man with a beard. Uh, but in terms of the general atmosphere. I enjoyed it. I, I, I do wish we got a few more Munster up. Uh, there was a pocket of them to the left of us, but there was none in our row, none in our section, uh, which meant that it wasn't the usual back and forth. But the training was fantastic. The atmosphere was great. The stadium looks amazing. Uh, I do wish we changed our intro music. Whatever that intro music is now, I'm too old for it. I don't understand it. Like, I, I watched Virginia Tech coming in to enter Sandman at least once a week, just Monday morning, get the blood moving. We need something like that again. But no, it was a great day. It was it was a great fun, great fun day.
0: Yeah. And, and to be fair to the Munster fans you now, when they were on top for a while and when they got their try, there was a really good cheer from the crowd. I mean, there was a, there was a really good uh, reaction out of them. So they, they, I mean, it was a decent uh, crowd what was it, 45,000 um, attendance. That's not bad for, for this time of the mm. season, you know? So, uh, but yeah, no, it's a, it's all, it's a, it's a, it's always a good day out, just going to and from the match. And there's always been a bit of crack going on around the ground. So just wanted to chat about that now, you know, once in a while before we get into actually talking about the game. So anyway, yeah, so getting to the kickoff, uh, Johnny Sexton took the kickoff uh, towards the South Stand. And basically for the first quarter, Tom, we tended to uh, pretty much dominate everything but the scoreboard, didn't we?
2: Yeah, just before I talked with the first 15 minutes, I think uh, just on the crowd, which uh, Kigo alluded to, I think we uh, can lend to reclaim the hashtag main event after 45,500, which is... 500 more than Porky Quef Hall, So um yeah, we, we'll we'll hold on to that title as the main event. Maybe we are still the big dogs in, in Irish rugby. Uh, but as look, as for the game itself, um we spoke we've spoken several times since the Queens uh, pre-match game about how quickly Leinster try and start off a restart and you know we always try and get a bit of variance in it. And I think Leinster and we spoke about that, you know, that call that Leinster do when they're gonna go at pace and go at go at speed. And I think that was evident literally from the kickoff. Lencer a short little uh, uh, restart right down the middle and immediately Munster were put under pressure. Um, it resulted in, in Penny, like after 30 seconds, having a turnover in Carberry. Um And uh, all of a sudden, you know, Lein- or Munster looked a bit straight away, a bit under pressure. It ended up um, with uh, Jenkins getting held up Uh, early on, like there was only a minute on the clock at that stage, but that was after a lot of pressure. A lot of pressure, Leinster were doing a lot of heavy carrying and uh, Munster's defence was a a, a little bit... You know, while they scrambled well, um, they were having problems, even in those early signs, with the way Leinster's attack was going. Um, I think the summation of the first quarter for us uh, was both positive and negative. I I was, have to say, I was fairly positive after the first half an hour. um, I felt the way Leinster were playing uh, we were causing Munster a lot of problems. Um, I know Munster <coughs> supporters will rightly take pride on keeping Leinster's scoreless for the first 15 minutes and, and see that as a result. And really, it is a result. But I think if anyone look back on the first 15 minutes of that game, the signs were already there on where Lencer were going to win this game and where Munster were going to struggle. Um, and I think it was only for individual mistakes, not true. For me, there's a difference between unforced errors and and errors, and uh, Leinster were guilty of silly unforced errors. You know, uncharacteristically, Johnny dropped, um, dropped dropped the ball out of his hands. There was so much pressure on him, and the two Sheehan lineouts that that they were just crook You know, they were going to the two. We spoke earlier on and about different matches about Leinster maybe overcomplicating their line lineout throws. And, but that wasn't the case this time. They were, they were going to the front to to Doris. Um, and maybe bar one where Thomas Ahern in the second half maybe jumped across, but I know Leinster got the ball anyway. Uh, if that was for the the the, the Dan Sheehan try. Um, it was to me, it was just it was just a crooked throw. You know, people can go on about um, the combination of who's lifting at the time and the timing. You know, they were just not straight. Simple as that. And so I would put that down to sort of unforced errors. Um, the killer one for me that summed it up was um, was actually when Johnny knocked on because uh, Leinster had set up Munster's defence was sort of fairly flat. They had a, they had initial pot of tree outside the first rock, and if they rushed up and put pressure on, they got some joy and Leinster, Munster can Munster supporters can take a bit of heart in that. But most of the time in that first fifteen minutes, they weren't getting to the pitch of the ball. Leinster had a one liner runners and uh but ringrose um Frawley and and uh, Henshaw with Sexton were taking turns as second receiver in behind and Leinster would go wide wide very quick and they made like 350 yards in the first half um uh you know isolating some Munster defender so you know it was even worse for 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 Munster and Leinster on the Johnny knock on because uh Leinster butchered a four on one there. Um, it was literally 4 one I think there was one, one, um, one uh, monster defender and you had Ringrose O'Brien and Caelan Doris hugging the touchline and you had Henshaw tucked in behind um, Sexton. Unusual to Johnny. Who's going to criticise Johnny? But it, it was a butcher try. And actually the other most butcher try in that first half was actually the one in the first minute when Luke McGrath took a quick tap and go off um, the, the the initial Scott Penny Turnover that we spoke about when when, when we put Munster under pressure in the first thirty seconds, it was a good snipe. It was the right decision to do. But Ryan and Jenkins would have walked it under the post if you look back on it. All you had to do was pop it to his right, and there was two unmarked Leinster players walking under the post, two second rows. So for me, um, I know there was a lot of frustration, and you know, given the given who's playing in this game, nerves can set in. But for me, I, I I thought Munster were struggling a bit with the way Leinster shape of defence was set up. And I think we were getting a lot of joy. And that showed in every stat apart from the scoreboard. So I was very much of the, the frame of thought of Leinster, keep this going. It The, the tries will come. You know, the yeah. tries will come. I was pretty confident of that throughout the first half and throughout sort of 95% of the game.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there was a couple of missed penalty kicks as well. Both both sides, Sexton and uh, Carberry, missed very, very kickable ones. Uh, they'll both be kicking themselves for that. But eventually, of course, Carberry did get one, and uh, that made it 3-0 to Munster. And although we continued to press, it looked like we needed something unusual to happen for us to get back into it. And uh, while we were pressing in their 22, the TMO had to have a look at something that happened at a breakdown, Kigo.
1: Yeah, and, and again, similar to the Klein the yellow, When you see it first and you see it in real time, it's a double red, it's get off the pitch. Um, And I think this one is closer to a red than the Klein one. Um, So so, uh, Knox is trying to clear it out. And it's on first viewing, he's charging in shoulder to head. Uh, I think what kept him on the pitch was, uh, whether it was a legitimate attempt or it was the physics of the situation, his right arm... was trying to wrap there that might have been just the impact brings his arm around i'm doing a mime here on the podcast which is silly but it, it, it you could see his right arm try and wrap around uh but at the end of the day it's player safety i would have given this a red uh i would have given this a red over the Klein one i know we might differ on that but i thought this was more dangerous in that um the neck is, is, is an area that you can't mess with. And I do feel that where Munster were in the game, they were trying to get a bit aggressive. And as we said last week, they were trying to spoil everything. And I feel that this was just another attempt to see what they could get out of Andrew Brace on the day. I think what kept him on, I know I couldn't hear what the, what the uh, ref or TMO said, was that right arm was trying to wrap. I think is what kept him on the pitch, but to me, this is more of a red than the Klein one. I don't know what you think.
0: Um, yeah, no, I mean, I, we'll, we'll talk about the Klein one later. I have a feeling we yeah. might disagree on that as well, but we'll we'll see. Um, no, I, um, I, I just thought I was at the time. I was more thinking, well, geez, we need this. Uh, we need to, We need yeah. someone off the pitch. We needed something to happen. It wasn't more the merits of the thing itself. There's a lot of talk online about what happened afterwards. Uh, that, that James Ryan. I think James Ryan they they they're slagging him because he didn't throw much of a punch. I think he went to throw a punch because he would just been clattered in the face and if there yeah. was a natural reaction I think he pulled out of it. Um uh, and that that's what happened there. I don't I don't think there was anything to see there. I think they were just looking at the actual contact itself. It was just a it was just a clumsy clean out where, and uh, he wasn't looking where he was going. And uh, like I usually say, you do have to own the consequences of what happens. Yeah. And if you catch someone like that, you're, you're putting yourself in that situation, but it was what we needed at that time. Anyway, whatever, whatever about the, the ins and outs of what actually happened. Right. So when that was sorted out, that was a penalty. And uh, one of Leinster's successes I thought on the day was in decision-making and what to do with penalties. You have all these different options and um, whether it's capable to go for the post, go for the corner to uh, take a tap and go, or to, you know, go for a scrum. And um, the uh, the this penalty was kickable, and uh, you know we had gone to the corner a couple of times. We you know we could have done that, but we went for something else, Tom, didn't we?
2: Yeah, Johnny or, or, or the leadership group in the in the pack called for a scrum. Um, obviously, at this stage, uh, as you as as Keigo and yourself had mentioned, Knox had gone off for a yellow. Kilcoin came on to the lucid side, and Jeremy Lockman went back over to the tight head side. I think Jeremy Lockman is one of those players and he's in the Irish squad, can hold us in. under difficult circumstances. I think he did quite well. He, he played, I think, 40 minutes at loose head and 30 minutes under 20 minutes at tight head. So when we actually, when we took that scrum, he actually did quite well. There was a bit of pressure on the scrum from Munster. Munster's initial shove was good, but it just didn't finish it off. Henshaw had a massive carry then in the middle of the field off that scrum. And then Klein, Folog, Klein getting his pronunciation right, Jan Klain, he he fell off uh, Doris way, far too easy. He was you know he it looked a very it looked a very uh, late, you know tired tackle even in the early days, uh, early parts of this game. And then all of a sudden, I think it was Dan Goggin, uh, Jack O'Donohue and Rory Scannell were were together uh, facing off against uh, Scott Penny from you know who was carrying. But when you've got Healy, Alalatoa, and Deegan against basically monster centers, there were only going to be one result here. As in, they just piled right Scott Penny over, and that old moniker of death and taxes that, that Scott has got over the last couple of years and a Penny try, you know, he got on the scoreboard again, and and um, I think we've we've spoken offline about how well um Scott Penny's put himself into the into the equation. He's a sort of fellow that if if, if Chad, uh, Josh Van Der Fleer is injured. With Leinster, he'll definitely do a job at the highest level for us. Um, and he worked well with Caelan Doris, um, all day. So yeah, crack and try. The right, as you say, it was the right decision was made at the time. Um, even though I think Munster did okay in the scrum initially, um, just there was too, too much power coming through from from our forwards that and Munster's trying to scramble across the defend.
0: I mean, we obviously, we needed the score at that time, but they just they had the confidence to make the right decision. they had the confidence to go through with it and uh, and, like you say, Penny had the right support there to help get him over the line. So um out added the extras to put a seven three ahead, and although Carberry pulled three back, There was a graphic that showed that uh, at that stage, we'd gained 285 meters to Munster's 52. So that really showed we should have been ahead by more. But now we all know that these occasions often produce a controversial moment. And when uh, Jamie Osborne got the ball in some broken play at midfield and chose to kick uh, kick ahead, we definitely got it, didn't we, Kigo?
1: 100%. And I think this was one of the first moments in the game where certainly everyone in the row I was in in the East stand stood up because we could see a lot of space opening up behind that Munster line. You could see what he was thinking of doing. You could see the execution coming, the kick hits, and it's, it's, it's a very cheeky kick. Um, initially, you go red card, off you go, Klein. First first viewing. Uh, for me, I thought he jumped late. Now, again, this is from 100 meters away. I thought he jumped late, but I also understand that he has to jump. So I'm, I'm kind of going, well, you know, if you're looking at it as a neutral he didn't take care of the opposing player. He had to challenge for the ball, but he made a bad decision as a professional player. So you kind of go, right, I think I think a yellow might have been the right call here. I think the issue here is do we think he was thinking and said, I'm gonna jump late knowing that I'm gonna make contact with the player? I don't think it was, I don't think there's malice there. I don't think it was malice in either of the yellow cards, which I'm sure we'll talk about. But I, I just think it was a stupid mistake. And I, you know what I mean? As much as I want them all to be sent off, I think a yellow card was probably a fair reaction there.
0: So after all that died down, uh, we again uh, seemed to be, make the right decision because we put this penalty uh, into the corner. And with Clay no longer in the malls, um, it, you know, it looked like we could really take advantage. But after a couple of attempts... Uh, We didn't quite make it over the line. It was held up, and they did a a, a goal line dropout, which was blocked. I hadn't seen that happen before, but uh, it was blocked out over the end line, and that just sort of killed the half there. So that was halftime, and it was, uh, miraculously, the score was uh, Leinster 7, Munster 6. It was not the halftime score we were expecting. So uh, during the halftime break, uh, it started to rain. This is a thing to be seems to be a theme for Leinster for Interprose this season, sort of raining mid match. Um, but uh, it actually it had actually stopped by the time we kicked off, but then started again later. The, so Munster t- uh, restarted. Now Carby and Crowley, between them, tried to a little sly little move at the kickoff. Um, the commentators were saying what a great idea it was, but in the in the end, it, they 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 kind of made a hash of it. Um, they the 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 kick wasn't you know uh, Carby was going to take it then he chucked it to Crowley and Crowley took it um, he was trying to go the minimum it was like an onside kick in American football mm. um, he was uh, but uh, it 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 was always it was never going to go ten the monsters player it, let it go and it went straight into touch but anyway um, from that lineup. We had another one of these, like another feature the first half was these sweeping moves uh, offline. It's like you say, the back line, there was a lot of creativity in there with uh, Jimmy O'Brien, Sexton, Frawley, uh, Ringrose. They had these pre-planned moves set out. and This was another good one. Um, But uh, when it started to break down in the middle of the field, things got a little bit loose then, didn't they, Tom?
2: Yeah, I touched on it just when we were talking about the first game, how I felt Munster's initial defence when we were causing the problems. This was sort of a similar one. Munster had a sort of flat defence and Leinster had, in this instance, I think it was uh, Caelan Doris, Jenkins and Healy as a front three with Johnny sweeping in behind. And again, uh, it was, again, for me, it was was an unforced error um, for most because, and here I am blaming Johnny Sexton, uh, the move, I think, was to sweep it back to to, to Robbie Henshaw and, and Jimmy O'Brien, and I think Max Deegan was out beyond him. But Johnny just changed at the last minute and carried it into 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 traffic. Uh, so there was just sort of a misread in in on the attack, and then our attack, because I don't think that was planned. Looking at looking back at it, our our attack, our attack sort of became a bit out of sync, uh, and it eventually um, uh, landed with uh, sort of a. On the set next phase, uh, Luke McGrath passes into nobody because I think that the move had actually fallen down on the on the phase before. So it looks terrible for Luke McGrath. He just swings a pass back and there's nobody there. But I think the mistake was made on the on the on the on the, on the move before where Leinster started to lose their shape. And once once McGrath sort of threw to ground, in fairness, to Jack O'Donoghue, who it was his best moment of the game. He did a good kick through, and then he had a good double tackle on on Jimmy O'Brien, and who ended up. Knocking it on, so there was a lot of a knock on advantage, and at this stage, Lens were scrambling. As I said, I think on the initial move, uh, when we had the ball, uh, Alan Alatoa and um, and Max Deegan were out in the wing, so they weren't the ideal guys to be trying to sweep back as cover defenders. Um, for me, this was the you know, equally, you know, I'm sure I'm sure people would say you're not giving credit to Munster. Um, but I have to look at our own defence. I, I thought Leinster's defence was outstanding uh, all day, but I, I thought this was the worst. Um, I, but mainly because uh, when, when eventually I think it was Jack Hodnett, or um, Hodnett got the ball and uh, carried it a few times and he went back in field. There was a ruck in the middle of the field and uh, Leinster did what Munster were doing all the way through the first half. They had 12 defenders between the ruck and, and the 15 metre line out about fifteen meters away from the rock, um, and that was causing Munster problems in the first half because Lents were able to sweep with, with with runners to get wide fairly quick, and in this instance, Lentz were very slow to wrap around. You know, it was it was really too easy. I'm sure Munster, when they're on their own pod, would be like to score, and they can they can analyze it that way. Uh, from my point of view, those twelve defenders on the on the open side, and we were very slow to wrap around. It didn't take much of a miss pass, uh, to get it to. The, the, the Coombs twins and for an easy enough run in for Liam, uh, you know, it was a good try for Munster. Don't get me wrong. But from a Leinster point of view, whatever about the misread in the attack on, on, on the, on the attack before Luke uh, McGrath's bad pass, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was just that lazy running from, from trying to get around from the, 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 the open side to the blind side. It was just slow. And, um, yeah, it was just made it too easy for Munster. That was probably the most disappointing part of the game. I know that I know Munster scored a try, obviously, but it was it was unlencer like from what we were, were doing for the other seventy eight minutes of the game.
0: Yeah, I mean it's it's what we're talking about in terms of um, it, it. It almost the exception that proves the rule of Leinster's uh, defending in general. It's like they're so organized that the teams that are going to get success against us are the ones who are primed and ready to go. Uh, at every little bit of extra little broken play where things are a little bit oh. different. Um, we had that, so we had that kick through from the middle. All of a sudden, you know, it, we had, we had we were on attacking at halfway, but then just when O'Donoghue kicked that forward, um, all of a sudden we were on the, we're on the back foot and we're oh. in our own 22. And then we're pushed further in our 22 and we just have to scramble. We're, we're getting back into, we have to get into and players have to fall into these patterns. And, uh, and, and, the, and it's up to the attacking team to make the most of that. And Munster just about did that, even though they were, they were a man down at the time still, weren't they? And uh, they were, you know, yeah. that was, the other, you know, that was
2: the other side of it. As, as I said, they were down to 14 men at that stage. Uh, you know, in fairness, Munster took the score. They had a good few offloads in this game. So that's maybe something they're trying Trying to keep the ball moving as best you can, um, but yeah, it was just disappointing. On on, Leinster's work rate is normally phenomenal around around defense, so you know it's hard to criticize him for one move. But but the, it just wasn't up to scratch in that instance. You know, just as I said, I've no repeat myself, but just so slow to wrap around back to the blind side, um, and it wasn't that quick a ball. I think eventually Frawley bit in on on. Um, on Dermit Barron and you know uh, Gavin Coombs was in open country then and it was just a little swing pass a nice pass out to his cousin and that that was a try you know so a good try for Munster but uh, yeah I'm say I'd say on Monday uh, the lads will be hauled through the colds for this uh, for that series of play
0: absolutely Right, so Carberry made the conversion, and now it was 13-7 to 7 to the visitors, but we went to the bench with Porter coming on for Keane Healy, and he had an immediate impact as we pressed them on the restart, winning it back for us as the rain started up again. We went for phases in their 22, and Murray was paying for challenging McGrath before he lifted it, so we put it to the corner. Uh, what happened from the line now, go?
1: No, absolutely. Come at the hour, come at the sheen. Um, you're spot on with it. Porter coming on. I think his first impact was a, uh, between the legs, no luck pass uh, you gonna kind of go what what is happening um w- without saying that he did a bad job the game changed when porter came on i think i think she as we always say he's on this run he's got to stay on the pitch as much as he can henshaw similar and anytime he had the ball whether it was he put an extra wiggle on the ball to make some some space or he ma- he gets a try like this one where there was a huge amount of work for him to do uh, and and if you think about the size of the guy, the dimensions of the guy, how low he gets, I think there's two guys who go over him, and he gets in under under the two of them for the try. Um, it, it it takes it takes a massive amount of skill, a massive amount of confidence, and I think it's just another example of why he's nailed on right now. It's unfortunate that 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 Rowan is injured again, but I think I think this is a magic phase of of time that we're in with Sheen. And I think we've got to enjoy it as well. I think it was a masterful try. He took a lot of responsibility and he's showing up as another leader in that team.
0: So with Sexton's conversion crucially nudging us back in front 14 to 13, we continue to put pressure on both with and without the ball. And as we spoke earlier about our decisions to go for a scrum when a penalty was awarded, when Hodnett got pinged in a kickable position, I reckon uh, our skipper again made the right call going for the post to stretch the lead to four. And when Thomas Ahern and Jack O'Sullivan fluffed their line, setting up a ball outside their own 22, we won a penalty at the scrum, which gave us another key decision to make, Tom.
2: Yeah, this time Johnny went for the line-out. Uh, as I said in the, the, the first half analysis, I, I thought the 2 lineouts that we lost was just down to a simple um throw by Sheehan. You know, once we got that rectified, and, uh, and just mentioning Sheehan, I think he's put in four or five 80 minute appearances now i think he you know against the sharks uh connacht ulster and um and this which is phenomenal for a modern day hooker he's some engine so just leaving that aside but yeah went for the went for the line out and again we went to doris and we formed them all and uh, we were having success with them all once we were able to get them all we were having success all day it doesn't matter who was in an attacking platform or in a defensive situation we were trying to get uh territory and um, Munster won't be happy looking back at this try. Uh, you know, Luke McGrath, even though he's, he's 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 quite stockily built, he's probably still Leinster's smallest player. Um, ben Healy just fell off him like he wasn't there. And, you know, Dave Kilcoyne will probably get ribbed by his fellow front row uh, teammates for quite a while because, you know, I think Conor Murray even was the third player in there. It was just too easy for, you know, I thought initially Luke, made a mistake going too quick. You know, um, Jason Jenkins they had done something similar in the first minute where he got held up and he just went a little bit too early and a little bit too isolated. But uh, yeah, no, that was it was a fantastic try and um, that really was, you know, opened the gap enough, enough that it did the scoreboard justice for me. I thought there was, there was a difference in the teams on the day, uh, as I've mentioned throughout, throughout the pod. And, you know, it was a great try by Luke who, who had a really good game. I've criticized him before throughout the season for his pass. And, um, you know, so you have to be quick to give him cr- credit when, 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 when he does well. And, and um yesterday was his um, best game of blue for quite a while.
0: Yep. Definitely. Because I mean, you know, the way Leinster are, are set, both Leinster and Ireland are set up. I mean, uh, Gibson park is the perfect nine to have in there and it's, it's who we want, but Luke does offer a lot and we forget that. And um, I think, uh, you know, and, when he took that quick tap at the start, I think he was trying to, to bring that uh, sort of speed and tempo to, to, to our game by doing things like that. But you also saw things that, that he did as well. I mean, he does that. Uh, he's really good at the trail line. Um, you know, when we break past their defenses and when, when you get clear, he's the guy always there in support. And uh, that's when, when Jamie Osborne did that pass, he, of course there was a couple of Munster players in, in the way and probably knew that McGraw would be there. And they were cutting off that line, but he is always there in a support position to take to take passes and things like that. So, and he's, uh,
2: he, he, he's got great rugby brains. Even, you know, as yeah. Kigo was talking about Dan Sheehan's try just before, uh, or before um, when we were malling that time, he was keeping an eye on Keenan Knox. Keenan Knox was like an extra defender. And as the scrum was retreating, as soon as Knox joined it, McGrath gave Sheehan the little nod, you know, because his, his head is down, his his, his his head is down, up, up his teammates' arse, you know, in the mall. And and that just shows good work brains, maybe he gave him the nod to say, now go. You know, so it's those little things where he's, you know, his his, his experience is invaluable.
0: Yep, definitely. Okay, so now Saxon pushed the conversion wide, which made it 22-13 with just under 20 minutes to go. So there was still some work to be done. And having won back their own restart, you can't deny Munster were looking for a way back. They were slowly pushing against our defenses until a penalty gave them an excellent chance with a line-out in their 22. But from here, we really battened down the hatches. First, we held them out before conceding another penalty. Then we forced the ball free only for Penny to knock on, diving on it. But at the scrum, Porter came up trumps again, winning a penalty, which felt like another seven points. But while it felt like a try, it doesn't count towards a bonus point. So we needed another one to clinch that. And with the clock in the late 70s, what happened, Kigo?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And again, as we spoke in the preview, uh, we we saw a big score in this game. And I feel the two of us would have been very annoyed if we didn't leave with a bonus point. Um, And and it was great. We've spoken about how the teams have been put together so far in the season where you see names that maybe you wouldn't see all the time. Um, Rob Russell is is another one of those names, stepped up on the day, uh, steps up with a bonus point try, which I think was the least we should have gotten from the day. Um, But if you look at the job he did, In the minutes he was there, you wouldn't know if he had one cap or 100 caps. He was very comfortable. Um, You look at Osborne, you look at all the guys, very, very comfortable. But I think Rob Russell is a guy who we needed, we really needed this bonus point. Um, And, you know, again, without being disrespectful, that's the least that should have come out of this game. And he he was able to make the work. He was able to do it. It took too long for us to get there. uh, And there was a couple of penalties before that that I couldn't really explain. Uh, no one in the stadium could explain but he steps up and he puts it away and it was a really well taken try
0: so that was that we took the scenic route but we still came out with maximum points deservedly I thought (laughs) Okay, so 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 that wrapped up the match. Um, bef- uh, we're going to get to some full time takes from our readers and stuff later. But just lads, uh, do you guys have any final thoughts? Keegan
1: I think Alatoa, That was probably one of his best games in blue so far. I think yeah, every any time he touched the ball, something happened. And and like I I thought I for me I I know uh, McGrath was man, man of the match, person of the match, player of the game. For me, it was him. I I thought the work he did on Saturday was amazing. Um, and I think it's it's great for him moving forward. Uh, there was, you know, it was great to see the blue flags again. It was great to see everyone again. It was great to be out in the stadium again. Uh, just as a note for anyone, don't show up late. And if you're going to show up late, be extra crack. Uh, but no, I think a bonus point win, it took too long. It was very frustrating. Um, Munster did what they were going to do, like we said last week. But look, the scoreline is the scoreline, and it's probably about right,
2: Tom. Yeah, it's uh, there was enough for for both sides to, to be concerned about, and enough to take take heart out. of it. you know, at the end of the day, you know whether Munster are in the doldrums or not, they're still our main rivals, you know, amongst the supporters anyway. And uh, I think under the, in the Cullen era, that's we've only lost once in fourteen games in the league to Munster. Um, it's hard to find say that will be repeated again in the near or distant future. By either team. So, you know, you got to take every single win. You know, it was a bonus point win. Uh, I think we're seven points clear now at the top of the, the league. I know some teams have games in hand um, and that's the most important thing. At the end of the day, it'll be a footnote on the season. Um, you, you can look to, for positives throughout the game. On, uh, we've spoken about how, how I felt Leinster attack was quite good. Our defence was very, very aggressive and uh, apart from the monster try, it was really, really good. And But, but there was loads for both supporters to take out of it, you know, whether it be the jean Clay incident or or the knock shoulder to the head or James Ryan's supposed reaction or lack of reaction or lack of punching power on, on returning a, a punch back to, 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 to Knox. And then from a Munster point of view, you know, I know some of the media were talking about the players that were missing, but look for the first five or six weeks of the season, I've heard nothing from pods or nothing else from pundits and pods about giving you the chance. And, you know, Knox and Hodnett and Ahern and Lockman and Nash and all these players. Crowley, Pat Campbell was on the bench. Uh, Ruan Quinn. They were in the twenty-three. Um, so we can't really have a both ways. You can't want all these other players back who haven't had a good a good run of games against um, of Leinster and then you know wish they were back. Now obviously players like Byrne, uh, Piero Mahoney and probably Casey and Conway would 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 make a difference to that. But uh, you know. From, from from a Lensa point of view, um, I think we just have to keep it's it's a matter of win bonus point and, and look to Scarlets next week.
0: Okay, so now it's time to look at some more full time takes uh, from around the rugosphere sphere. This comes from our Facebook page and from around Twitter and that. Uh, first up, we had uh, Connor Cronin, who's uh, often on our show uh, himself. But uh, he left a comment that said, uh, Leinster allowed Munster to set a tempo to dictate the place of play. I want to see much more accuracy from Leinster and for them to punish teams in the 22. Uh, Next up, we have Andrew Bailey, who says an interesting point. He says, why not have neutral refs? It's not fair on the ref or the teams. Wales, Scotland, Italy, and South Africa, but the big Irish games always get an Irish ref. That's a good point. I made that point myself over the years. Uh, Andrew Potts said, uh, Munster showed a bit of Leicester as in Leicester Tigers, DNA, pragmatism, uh, always falling on the wrong side, always sort of slowing things down. Leicester were good except for scoring. Okay. Next we have Chris McDonough who said we butchered a few line breaks low or Dave Carney would have had a try or two. That's interesting. And uh, Gavin Hegarty said, I think we let a bad Munster team play. Their backline had no purpose and just shipped the ball on no lines or moves. We and brace made them look good. And, uh, over on the Twitter machine, we had uh, The Charge Down. That's another great uh, Leinster podcast. They said both teams already have huge injury lists, and that game definitely didn't help. Very good point there. Contarf uh, Bryan said, job done. Scrappy in parts, sure, but bonus point win. Thank you and good night. And from the Munster side of things, uh, over the hill, Prop said, good win for Leinster, but it's covering issues underneath. Munster were depleted before and during the game. Leinster struggled to go through or round Munster. So there you go. That's the take from there. Um, I'll put more full-time takes for both Facebook and Twitter on the show's page over at rugby.com. And if you want to get involved in the conversation yourself, feel free to head over to our Facebook page at full-time after every Lancer and Ireland match to leave your own thoughts. Okay, so right now we're going to wrap up uh, round six of the United Rugby Championship with the results. Of course, uh, it was a shortened uh, round this time with a couple of cancellations or postponements. Um, you had uh, Benetton 22, Bulls 44. Conant had that 36-14 win over Scarlets. Then you had Zebra 19, Edinburgh 38. And then you had the two postponements, uh, Lions against Glasgow, Sharks against Ulster. We had Leinster uh, winning 27-13 over Munster. Then the Cardiff had a great win over the champions, the Stormers. They seem to like uh, beating the champions at home. They did that last season as well. And uh, finally, we had the last day. Now, uh, you know, in my prediction league, uh, the harp and Prediction League we run, um, Whenever, whatever I say the Ospreys are going to do, they do the opposite. It really doesn't matter what I do. Uh, that's just the way they roll. That's why I call them uh, those pesky birds. And uh, I tipped them to beat the Dragons, which, of course, meant the Dragons were going to win. And that was a 32-25 win. So that's, how, that's what happened. And that was the reason for that. Never mind rugby tactics. Never mind anything else. The reason the Ospreys lost is because I tipped them to win. It's a very simple solution there. Okay, so how does that leave the table? Well, with those postponements, um, the table's a bit of lopsided in the games played column. There's some team with games in hand. But uh, nothing was going to stop Leinster from being in first place. With the only team with 100% record. Six wins out of six, 28 points in the bag couldn't really ask for more maybe we could have gotten a couple more bonus points but i think we should be happy with 28 out of 30 points uh, ulster stay in second place despite not playing they've 21 then you come the bulls moved up into third with 19 so then you get to, to teams uh other teams with games in hand, the Stormers are in fourth with 19. Edinburgh fifth with 18. Cardiff move up to sixth with 17. And the Sharks have only four games played; so They have two games in hand, 15. And then rounding out the top eight, you've got the Lions, also a game in hand, 15 points. Further down the table, you've got Munster um, stay in 11th. They've got 11 points. Um, Connett move up to 14th with nine. And uh, next week's opponents, the Scarlets, are in 15th, also with nine points. So that's how the table's looking right now. And then next weekend, we've got the last of this uh, opening block of the season, round seven. Friday sees Glasgow hosting Benetton. Scarlets, of course, play Leinster. That's on Friday. Saturday, October 29th, we've got Lions against the Stormers, uh, Dragons against Zebra, Munster against Ulsters, a lot of Derbies in this round. And then Ospreys host Conneth. Finally, on the Sunday, two games on the Sunday, Bulls hosts the Sharks and Cardiff host Edinburgh. So that's how um, round seven shaping up next week. And uh, should be definitely some interesting games there. All right. That's brilliant. We're going to leave it there for now. Many thanks to Tom and Kigo for joining me. And we'll hope to talk to you both again soon. Cheers, Jeff. Cheers, Kigo. So that's it for this week. Be sure and subscribe to our podcast feed if you haven't already. Keep an eye on our website, harpenandrugby.com for all our features during the week, starting with my 80 plus column on Monday where I give my final thoughts from the week of Rugby Just Gone. There's no midweek pod this time around, but all our other features will be there. And of course, our trip to Parky Scarlet's will be getting the full Harpen treatment with a preview on Thursday and the wrap up next Sunday. As always, feel free to send your thoughts, email us at pagatoblog at gmail.com or get us on any or all of our social social media platforms. You'll find the links in the program notes. Until next time, stay safe, everyone. Slán.